Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. A lot of people started working from home a couple years ago, and one of the common things that people discussed was how will they know how hard you're working when you're at home? And so I had a story sent to me by a whole bunch of people, widely reported. This version's from NPR. A woman is ordered to repay $2,000 after her employer used software to track her time. So she was working from home, and her employer could see how much work she was doing, supposedly, based on a program on her computer. And uh, they said, well, you weren't working like you're supposed to. You owe us money. But you have to understand one thing to point out here is that she actually started the argument that resulted in this. So there's a lot to unpack here. Juliana Kim wrote this. When Canadian accountant was fired for being unproductive at her job, she found herself up against not only her former employer, but it's time-tracking software. So a civil tribunal, which is part of Canada's judicial system, has ruled that she owes her former company $2,756 after the software installed on her laptop revealed that she misrepresented over 50 hours of work. And so they paid her for the work, and they said, well, if you didn't do it, we want the money back. Now, she worked remotely for a CPA firm, And that's an accounting firm based in British Columbia. The dispute began last year when she said that she was fired without just cause. So they let her go. And then she said, hey, you guys let me go without just cause. And so that began the process where the two began squabbling. Her employer argued that she was rightfully let go because she engaged in time theft. They said that we let you go because you were billing hours for which you were not working, in essence. The CPA firm said it gathered evidence using a uh, program, which is a time-tracking software that records what files are accessed and for how long. Records showed a discrepancy of 50 hours between what she reported as time worked and what the program logged as work activity. So there becomes this debate on this. She argued that she found the program difficult to use And she could not get the software to differentiate between work and time spent on her work laptop for personal use, which both parties agree she was allowed to do. So if she was off hours, she was allowed to use the laptop for personal use. And she's saying it was confusing somehow, but they're saying, no, not at all. The program did exactly what it was supposed to do, and it tracked what you were doing and when you were doing it. In video submitted to court, CPA firm showed that the program is able to record when and how long employees access work-related documents and to differentiate from when they're on non-work sites, such as streaming services like Disney+. Plus, company makes the final distinction between work and non-work activities, and this is all based on electronic pathways, they say. Their words, not mine. So the woman argued that she spent a significant amount of time working with paper documents, but didn't tell her company that because... They wouldn't want to hear that. However, the program also tracks printing activity, and the company found no evidence that she printed a large volume of documents. So she's saying, look, they want me to work on the computer, and I'm an accountant, and I'd rather work with paper. So I did a lot of the work with the paper, and I still submitted time for that on my billing statements, but it wouldn't show up on the computer thus, right? So when confronted with the 50 unaccounted hours, she told her manager that she inaccurately logged some hours in her timesheet. So then it appears that she says there may have been a discrepancy, just whether it's a full 50 hours or not. She said, I plugged time to files that I didn't touch, 
and that wasn't right or appropriate in any way or fashion, and I recognize that, and so for that, I'm really sorry. So that's a quote of hers. That's a quote of hers. I've plugged time to files that I didn't touch, and that wasn't right or appropriate in any way or fashion, and I recognize that, and so for that, I'm really sorry. She said that in a meeting with her company, according to video cited in the ruling. So it sounds like the people who made this ruling actually saw some video of her saying that. That's what it appears to be in the story. Ultimately, the Civil Resolution Tribunal dismissed the woman's claims, but the court also ruled that she has 30 days to pay back her former employer for the unaccounted work hours she was paid for and other associated costs. A growing number of companies are using technologies to monitor its staff while they work from home. Employers see it as a tool to ensure workers aren't slacking off and improve efficiency. Workers and privacy advocates, however, say this kind of tracking is intrusive and worry that it will normalize workplace surveillance even when people return to the office. So again, procedurally, the woman is let go. She files a complaint and says, they let me go wrongfully. So while they're litigating that complaint, they go, not only did we have a reason, but she owes us money. And that's one thing I often tell people is you got to be real careful because in many litigation settings, if you file a claim against somebody else, not only can they, but they're often required to raise any claims they have against you or they waive them. So someone that you sue might say, well, we're going to lose this claim otherwise, let's file it now. And since you paid the filing fee, a lot of times the counterclaims are free, as they say. I can also tell you that this raises an interesting point with respect to attorneys. Because a lot of attorneys will bill their time hourly and then charge somebody for that, whether it's their own client or whether it's the opponent. I mentioned before that in Lemon Law claims, if I sue a manufacturer on behalf of my client and we win that case, a manufacturer pays my fees to me. And I've seen situations before where people have sued large corporations and they're entitled to their statutory fees and they submit a bill to the court and say, here's what we're entitled to. And now, there's a couple different ways you can calculate what reasonable fees are, but quite often you simply show the court what you build. The court looks at it, goes through it, and if it's reasonable, they say, pay it. If it's not reasonable, they might pick it apart. And I've known people in the industry who, just for laughs, have sent me copies of billing statements of opposing counsel and said, hey, Steve, check this out. And they send me over a PDF file that would be about that thick if I printed it out. And they go, that's my opponent's billing statement. And I say, okay, put a lot of work in the file, didn't they? And they go, oh, no, 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 go to page 17. And there'll be a bunch of billable items that if you add them up, come out to be like 36 hours. And they're all dated the same day with one person. And he goes, now, either that person's really efficient <laughs> or their days are longer than ours at 24 hours. And you got to be careful about stuff like that because there was actually a case a while back. I did not do a video on it because I thought it was too esoteric. But there was a, a case a while back where in federal court, an attorney submitted one of those, shall we say, fanciful billing statements. And a judge looked at it and said, dude, this, this statement is so bad. It is so wrong. It is so overinflated. Not only am I going to cut it down, I'm going to cut it to zero. Teach you a lesson. You get nothing. You get nothing. And, and that was actually an appropriate thing to do because... You have to be careful about that, obviously. And I know some people in various fields who will occasionally go, oh, I won this case, quick, I got to go back and put together a billing statement because they weren't doing that all along. They're trying to reconstruct what they did and sometimes they get a little carried away. 
The other aspect of this, of course, is the surveillance. And, and they mentioned the fact that if you're working with a program that your boss can watch and see what you're doing, that's one thing. There was also a whole problem during COVID where they decided to let people take tests from home, tests like the bar exam or, or tests for school. And so you're sitting at a computer and you're taking a test that's on the computer. How do they know that there's not somebody right here who is somehow feeding you the answers? And so I saw all kinds of articles about this, about all kinds of things they tried to do to make sure they got this right or didn't get this right. But it doesn't matter how you do it. There's always going to be ways to cheat. And I still believe, and I know people are going to hate me for saying this, but when I took the bar exam back in 1991, I went and sat in a gymnasium at the Breslin Center, Michigan State University in East Lansing, Michigan. And there's just a big gymnasium, the floor where they play basketball. Long tables, long tables, just tables and chairs, okay? And you walked in and you found your place and you sat down. And somebody's over here, but they're far enough over I couldn't even touch them if I wanted to. Same thing over here. And they had people spread out. And while you're taking a test, they got proctors walking around, just walking around. And I think that's the hardest environment within which to cheat. I, I, I think that that is the best way to do it. I know people out there who are going, no, 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 Steve, what if I want to type my answers? You know, once in a while, you might be forced to write something with a pencil and paper or a pen and paper. So <laughs> there you go. But of course, a big chunk of that's multiple choice. All you're doing is filling in circles. So here we go. The woman is ordered to repay $2,000 after her employer used software to track her time. And of course, that came back to bite her because originally she had complained and said she'd been fired wrongfully. And the tribunal said, well, no, that was actually good, but you owe them money. So NPR ran the story. A whole bunch of people sent it. Thanks a lot. Questions or comments, put them below. I'll just talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Leto's Law. If a cluttered desk is the sign of a cluttered mind, what is the meaning of a clean desk?